Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. This is Daniel. This is Gary. And this is Mike. And welcome. It's good to be here. It, it seems to be this routine now that I do an episode every now and then. Yeah. Yes. That's why you get the good chair. Yeah. Ooh, I like the good chair. I'm tired of you sitting around passively doing that. I actually nothing. feel like I'm sitting up high. Or normally I have to sit on my legs to sit, sit up higher. But uh, no, uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, restructuring the relationship with self. It's something that we talked about in our group and... I'm like, oh, that's a great epi- idea for a, an episode. So, um, <clears throat> it would probably be wise to give uh, uh, to give our listeners um, some understanding of where this is coming. Yeah, from. so it comes from our the Recovery Zone Volume One book that Patrick Carnes does that we go over in our Sage Two uh, program with our therapist. Um, and the really cool thing about this is, you know, that I found is there's a breakdown in here where you know because there's a lot of talk that we talk about bargains with chaos and there are things uh, on the unconscious bargains we have which is choice trade-off denial impulsivity compulsivity obsession and costs that are tied into our addiction but when we kind of create this new restructuring of ourselves we now have choice a challenge reality we're intentional we're mindful, we're focused, and we have benefits instead of a cost. Um, and this kind of came into play this last week when I was meeting with um, Shane, our therapist. Uh, it's always been when I've worked in the past. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, when I've worked in the past, um, it you know the therapists have always like, okay, well we need to separate the trauma from your past and your addiction, and, and work on those independently. And this last week we realized that the domestic violence cycle that happens is sitting right on top and enmeshed with my 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 addiction and so they oh, can't a, be worked separately what a great discovery uh, yeah so but i we wouldn't have been able to do that had you know we weren't rebuilding me yeah and, you know because that's some of the stuff that's been coming out if we slowly been working you know because in the domestic violence cycle there's you know this pretend happiness that goes on sure you know but while you're in there there's this tension that slowly builds because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and i realize that's kind of been my obsessive cycle of my addiction where it's like okay something's gonna happen i know it's gonna happen and then eventually it builds up to something happens but if you know if it doesn't then that person forces something to happen that's my acting out because it's like okay the other shoe's gonna drop but it's not dropped yet so i'm gonna make something i'm gonna happen. make something happen so wow. then you can get into this like honeymoon phase where it's oh i'm gonna fix everything everything's gonna be great we're working together and so look, finding that it's like you know wow i mean how many times did i do that over and over and over again um i had a cost but now now that i know this i have a benefit to right. this because i can avoid it and um, I mean, all the other steps in there, I, I'm mindful of it now. And I've noticed even over this last week, I've been aware of 
kind of falling back into that pattern with some stuff at work because stress was building, mm-hmm. some stuff with my kids and even myself. Um, so yeah, it's been, this is kind of an interesting thing where because of what we're doing in recovery, we're kind of restructuring and rebuilding ourselves into who we should be yeah. instead of this version of us that we are now. What a phenomenal discovery. That's a that's a that's a great discovery. Yeah. What an opportunity to to evaluate those things into you know initially we're looking at everything independent of each other yeah. and realizing the, the the connectivity of the two really has more merit than the than the independence of the two. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, and, and understand how they're feeding off of each other. Yeah, and this all came <coughs> from the fact that something really good happened, and he's like, "Well, this is a win." I'm like, "Yeah, but something else is going to happen. You know, the other shoe's got to drop soon." He's like. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> no, so this is a win. Where, that's where <laughs> things started unraveling. Huh. Huh. That's you phenomenal. Know, but, I, you know, I know in the past I never would have said that. I just thought, okay, <clears throat> sure. Yeah. You know, but no, you know, I vocalized. No, but something else is going to happen. That's amazing. So Interesting stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I love some of the things that you brought up, uh, this idea of intentionality, this concept of living intentionally. I mean, yes, I love that. You know, yeah. It's something that... Uh, um, I've, I've really been working with my wife on in terms of our own circumstances to, is to, to make an attempt, make an effort, if you will, to, to try and identify the intentional pieces of living. <clears throat> yeah. um, I think very early on in my recovery, what I would simply say is, no, I'm not going to do that because that might lead me to, to you know, mm-hmm. a path of relapse. Yeah. Reality of that is, is that there are certain things that I can still engage in that don't necessarily lead to relapse. And yeah. we'll talk about that. One of those things, for instance, in my mind was, was TV. I Very early on, I said, nope, I'm not going to watch TV unless you're here in the room present with me, anything like that. Mm-hmm. But if I, can, if I can build out, if I can restructure that to some extent to say, you know, there are certain things about TV that I really enjoy. I absolutely love college football. And so for me, if I can say, I'm going to intentionally watch this game on a Saturday afternoon. But when that game's over, I'm done. Yeah. So I'm not just mindlessly enjoying, you know, just mindlessly thumbing through channels on TV or anything like that. What I'm saying is is that I can live intentionally enough to enjoy about the, the pieces of TV that I really enjoy and forget the rest of it. Yes. Yeah. Because TV had this had this mindset with all the commercials and everything else that was going on. It was leading my brain and my mind into paths that I didn't want to go. You know, having that intentional mindset, um, when, I mean, you're watching your show and invariably something will come up in a commercial. Sure, because you, you can't know, control that. But because, because you're, you're being intentional and you have, because see, I think that being intentional in, in this situation, for me, it would look like I have a start time mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I have an end time. That's right. And in between that, this is what I'm doing. That's right. You know, I'm enjoying this football game. That's right. That's why I'm here. So if that comes across, that's not why I'm here. That's right. This yeah. is why I'm here. And I, and I have something else to focus on. You know, and, and then, you know, you probably, you probably watch it. Do you watch it with people? Absolutely. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, 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 that only adds to the circumstance yeah, exactly. of it all, right? It adds to the experience of it all. Uh-huh. So, so to invite friends over, watch a college game, you know. Right. It's fun to, to you know, have people in the room who may be rooting for the opposing team and all that's going on, the food, the ambiance, the experience of it all, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I'm enjoying that. 
and and when it's done, I can be done. Yeah, that's intentional living. And, yeah. you, and I love that. And then you don't have to feel bad about it. That's yeah. exactly right. No, I mean that's something I do with being on the internet. Um, you know that because that's always been kind of a problem. And it's like okay, I intentionally decide okay, I'm going on to do homework. Yeah. Once I'm done, I get off. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put. You know, I'm going to go edit. Get on getting on my computer to edit the new episode. I'm going to go post it and do what I need to there, <clears> and then I'm done. You know, I don't spend mindless hours. I used to be, man, I'd be looking on, you know, all this information for this or that, and I'd spend hours right. just on there, and it's just wandering all over the place. And now it's like, okay, I'm on there for a reason. Once I have the reason, I'm done. Yeah. And then I close my laptop, and I don't open it again unless, okay, there's something else. But then I judge that. Do I need this now because I'm being mindful? Mm-hmm. Do I need this now, or can it wait? Because I'm jumping on again. Is this me? trying to give me an excuse to search the internet again right. or does this have to be uh done at this exact moment that's a that's a great point you yeah. know i'll i'll go i'll take my comment one step further okay you know not only do you accomplish this thing living intentionally okay not only do you not feel bad about it when you're done but you can actually allow yourself to feel good because i accomplished this thing that's right you yeah, know right it was something i set out to do and i did it Mm-hmm. You know, I, I use the same kind of technique when it uh, when I uh, reintroducing video games into my life, uh-huh. and and, that, and the only reason that I did that was because my boys wanted me to join them in a game, and I had you know I'd had problems with video games in the past, so, but you know if it was uh, you know I will play this game with you from this time to this time, and the purpose of this is I'm going to enjoy this activity with you. Yeah, right. You know, we're going to bond over this and then we can talk about it after like enjoying your football game. Yeah, we're going to exactly. enjoy this experience together. And that's the purpose of what we're doing. That's right. That's right. And once and, it's done, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Another word here that I think that uh, that, that jumped off of a page to me, uh, this idea of a challenge. Fundamental to mental health is the premise that there will always be a challenge. One of the things that I think happened to me more often than not is that when boredom set in, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I was lacking that challenge or the interest mentally in something, and I've, I've heard it countless times to many addicts who talk about the most vulnerable places in time are when they're bored, when they're mindlessly doing nothing. Yeah. And that, that concept, that idea of there's always, I mean, excellent mental health, the fundamental to mental health is this idea that there's a challenge here. There's something here that we need to be doing or... Um, you know, acting or, or whatever it is that we need to be working on, actively working on, uh, that challenge drives us. It motivates us. It gets us. It gets us moving in a proper direction. Challenge life without challenge is no life at all. Right. So that's a that's a fundamental. Uh, I love this. To stay healthy means the trade offs of the easier, softer way replaced with motivation and commitment. I mean, that's a, that's what this is all about. Um, what did Thoreau say? <clears throat> Taking the path of least least resistance leads to crooked men and crooked rivers. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that we're warned against. I don't know that he actually said that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, well, I'm going to look it up now. Okay. I, I remember, you know, Shane, our therapist, continues to let, warn us of complacency. Absolutely. When we're complacent is when we're most vulnerable to, to relapse. Or these to, aren't our friends. Yeah. Yeah, these know, things are not our you, friends. you got to definitely be in a place where we're continually moving forward because once we become complacent then that's that's the giant red flag that says you you should probably be running yeah yeah Yeah. this is this is probably not a good place for you to be yeah yeah i love that idea 
a couple other words, reality. Mr. Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled observed that that in an examined life, mental health is a dedication to reality at all costs. This is something I think, the very first time I ever heard that was by Gary, literally in one of our very first SAGE meetings, and I was thinking, wow, that's genius. And now I know where it came from. (laughs) It wasn't from you. It was from Mr. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled. Uh, Mental health is a dedication to reality at all costs. What has that meant to you over the years? Me? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's quite a bit. Quite a bit. Because it's it's given me the strength in moments of, I need to, you know, it's given me, I need to give this up, you know, uh-huh. for my mental health. Right. Or, it's all, or it's also given me the strength to, I need to do this for my mental health. You know, commitment to reality at all at all costs yeah. so, you know no that's been that's been really really powerful and you've said that an awful lot over the years yes, that i've known you central to the realism uh, what does he say here he says central to the realism is the acceptance of our own personal limits yeah the greeks saw hubris or pride as the tragic flaw of heroes and heroines who saw themselves above the rules that's uh, that's been a that's been a, a, an issue of mine for so many years my wife made an observation one time <laughs> i'll share a story we'd gone up to uh, a local club to play some tennis mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> i failed to bring the tennis balls my kids all played tennis it was a holiday weekend and i failed to play to bring the tennis balls along and so i said no no no, no. we're not going to turn around we got up there and the club uh the club um, um tennis pro has of course his own basket of tennis balls they're under a lock they actually have a lock on this this cage and they have all these tennis balls in it they use to teach their kids with. Well, I went over to that tennis, I went over to that cage, and I actually pried it open, and I stole three or four tennis balls so we could play tennis with the full intention that we would return those tennis balls. And my, my, my wife made an observation then, why is it that the rules never apply to you? And I have thought about that, particularly as we moved on through recovery, uh, so many, so many times about the fact that I lived a life completely devoid of rules, regulations, laws, limits, things like that. I spent my time literally um, uh, working around how to work the system. And my kids, of course, thought it was funny as could possibly be. But the reality of it is, is that uh, that was not healthy behavior. That was not healthy behavior. As the tragic flaw of heroes and heroines, we saw themselves above their rules. So, anything else stands out? Well, I mean, for me, uh, one of the items there was focus. You know, it's something that I really feel like is important. And I know it has been for me, um, kind of having a um, kind of a goal, uh, kind of a goal line or uh, markers, I guess, Okay. in my process because... Uh, with everything that's kind of happened with, you know, the divorce and the blow up and that, it was good to have a, a set goal, something to focus on. You know, uh, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to focus on work and make sure that I'm collecting a paycheck so my kids can get their, you know, I can pay child support. Sure. Uh, I'm, you know, not only that, it gives me something to do so I'm not sitting at home wallowing in misery. Right. You know, uh, I'm going to focus on school, you know, because I'm really close to graduating and I'm going to graduate. That's, you know, and then... I'm going to focus on my recovery and doing the things I need to do. You know, uh, I had a goal about, oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to hit a year. I'm going to make sure that happens. And that came, and that's gone. Now the focus is I'm going to hit year two. You know, yeah. uh, I'm going to make that happen. And 
you know, I just keep giving myself goals and things to, to reach out to. So I have something to focus on because otherwise, you know, it's kind of like what you mentioned, you know, when we're idle or bored, you know, then it just gets me in trouble. Right. Those are bad times. Bad, bad times. I've had a couple thoughts. Love to hear. And I mean, we might need to jump back just a little bit. Uh, the reality piece, what else? I was thinking about that. Yeah. Another thing that that means to me is a lot of times I'll have to challenge myself when I'm having thinking errors. Is this really what's going on? You know, okay. And I have to be committed to finding that, to understanding that, even yeah. if that means giving up, even if the cost is giving up my thinking errors. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> the comfort. So want to hang the, on to, right? <laughs> well, they're comfortable. They are. That's why you use them, right? Yeah. The other thing that I had is, if we talked a little bit about choice yet, uh-huh. I love the, I love the, uh, I think that goes right along with, um, you know, being intentional. Intentional, yeah. Because, because so often I think we let life make decisions for us because of our indecision. Absolutely. And, you know, they say that indecision is a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but that's not a choice you want to make. Right. Because you don't make that choice. The, the, the choice is made. And so, so a lot of times in recovery when I've been intentional and I've made a choice, particularly with a focus mm-hmm. in mind, then it's easier to own that whether good or bad. It's like, well, I made that decision. That's right. mine. Right. You, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Huh. And I think that's the other thing. You know, we make that choice. The accountability is in our pocket. Because uh-huh. if we're saying, oh, someone else made a cho- choice for us, it's so easy for us to say, well, you know, you're the one that did it. So yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm exempt. You I, did it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times, you know, uh, yeah. You know, my ex, I would say, well, no, we don't need to do that. And she would just go along. And then when something bad would come from that, it's like, well, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have listened to you. And I should have done that. It's like, I'm like, and I'm just looking at it like, well, why didn't you then? Right. Why didn't you trust your right. gut? Uh-huh. You know, and there, there'd be times it's just the opposite. I would do the same thing. And it's like, oh man, why didn't I trust my gut? I should, <laughs> instead of going the easy way, just going along, you know, yeah. going the path of, least resistance instead of trusting my gut but you know so i'm not saying it was all her fault incidentally i did it too incidentally for the record i did find that quote you did did. all the path of least least resistance leads to crooked rivers and crooked men and it was thorough it was thorough Look at you. Look at me. That's fantastic. <laughs> I should have just not quoted Thoreau, and then five years later, Mike could have discovered that yeah, it was. That's right. The... Look at that. Oh. Hey, I knew who said that. That was that wasn't Gary. It was Thoreau. <laughs> I want. I have a thought on challenge too. Okay. Um, an image that was shared with me that I thought was really, really good was. Uh, I was told that you know you're in a good place when you have one foot on known, stable, solid ground and the other in the unknown because mm-hmm. you're challenging yourself to go forward. You're, you're, you know, he says, he says, you know, he says, now, sometimes the unknown is scary. Sometimes change is scary. Sure. Yeah. He says, because in the unknown, you'll appreciate this. In the unknown, <laughs> that's where the dragons are. Yeah. You know, but that's also where the treasure is. Yeah. You know, and so you need to, so, so I've often thought, okay, to avoid complacency, you know, and uh-huh, then uh-huh. we'll go back to, to my sponsor who said, Gary, if you want to be successful, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
Am I challenging myself enough that I have one foot in that unknown and that discomfort of doing something new yeah. or something difficult? Right. You know? Yeah. So that was a thought that I had there too. I think it's a great thought. I think it's a great thought. I, uh, I remember one of the very early discussions I had with our counselor where we talked about, because he knew that I was self-employed and started my own business, things like that. And it was interesting from him, from his perspective to say that, you know, this place, this place in our, in our inner selves that, uh, um, we, we want to cut out and remove because it may be the very source of our addictive behaviors can also be the very same place that caused me to start a business. Yeah. It's that place of I'm okay with, I'm really okay with operating in the unknown and, and moving forward in ways and, and, and not so hung up on the safety and security of a safety net and everybody else saying, you can't do this, you can't do this. And so it's not necessarily an all bad thing. It just had to be channeled correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great perspective. It is. I, I remember um, that there's a whole section in this recovery one, recoveries on one book yeah. that talks about you at your best and you at your worst look very much very the much same. the same. That's right. You know, meaning that you know if you stop and, and and I've actually used that as as an encouraging thought too. You know, I thought look at all of the challenges and all the risks I took and all of the obstacles I overcame and all of the effort I put in yeah. to make my addiction happen. That's I did. Right. I did some. Some terrible things, yes, but they were remarkable. That's right. You know, things that I was willing to do to make yeah. that happen were mind-blowing. Right, right. Now, if I could just use, just learn to use that superpower for good. Right. I love, uh, I love one of the stories from Patrick Carnes in one of his books where he asks in a room full of addicts, were you a good addict? And he says he always gets this soft chuckle around because everybody knows full well the hoops they went through. To, to hide their right. addiction, to, to behave in the way that they did, to balance it all and make it all work for so long, and thinking to themselves, I was just one step short of flat-out genius during all of that, right? Right. And you're right. The reality of it is is if we could manage that, Take that harness same skill that set. same skill set, and apply it towards good, healthy living, imagine where we could be. Yeah, and I think that's a phenomenal point. The reality is, exactly (laughs) (laughs) being yeah recovery. But that's that's really interesting to think about. That where would our careers be? Where would our Mm -hmm. lives be? Where would have where would we be at that? You know, if we would have just simply harnessed that energy for good and done some different things with it, that that where would we actually be? Now, I come back to the argument that you know what this addiction's given me an awful lot. I uh, uh, it. It's horrible to think that I had to go through so much and do so much damage and, and cause so much pain and suffering that ultimately that as I start experiencing recovery that so much good can come from all of that and that I can experience this in a new way. Um, but I needed to. Yes. I needed to experience that. Uh, but the other yeah. side of that is is that you know if you just get your mind around, wow, all that I did, all that I managed, all that I, uh, that I worked through, if I could have just used that for good, how much further down the path I could possibly be. Well, and and that's the that's Go the ahead. point of the recovery is, you know, we've been using it to restructure our yes, thinking. That's right. Our activities, our self, so that we're in a healthier mindset. And you know, one day we'll be like, Gary. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, well, down first, the road in recovery and happy and, uh, you know, Enjoying I think we all are, life. Daniel. I think we already are. Okay. I think we're down the road. Now we may be, you know, we may be down the road. We may not be as far down the road yes. as he is, but we're but down. But you the will road. be. That's yeah. right. And yeah. there'll be a point in time that we will be. So, and yeah. then when we get to that point, there's to be another point right. to focus on because Gary will be further down the road <laughs> from us. 
This isn't a race against Gary. No, it it's not. Gary. But it's a. Fo- <laughs> it gives us a focus. Okay. I understand what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. I love. Oh, I want. First of all, I want to agree with you because you know, Mike. If things were different, they wouldn't be the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely that is right. So true. <laughs> but you know, there was there was a time there was a time when uh, I would think. I wish like crazy I could go back in time and change some stuff. And, sure. And now if I were given, if I were really given that opportunity, I don't think I would, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think I, w- I would keep what I have because I don't know that I could have gotten it any other way. Right. You know, I never um, want to go back there. Never want, you know. Right. But I don't think I'd give up everything that I got for anything. The other thing that I wanted to to say was I've always thought the idea of, me at my worst, me at my best are very, this, you know, very similar, I've also found yeah. that very encouraging because when I face or when I'm feeling challenged or struggling, mm-hmm. I can say to myself, I know I have it in me to <laughs> overcome this. You That's know, true. I that can do so hard true. things. I've clearly demonstrated, I've demonstrated that, that I'm willing to do some crazy stuff to get what I want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a, I that's just a want great something thought. good. Yeah, yeah I, I just want something, want something good. good. That's a great thought. That really is. It puts a lot of it in perspective to think about that. Me and my worst, and me and my best are really, you know, mirror images. Yeah, different. So, what same or different sides of the of the same coin? Same coin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's remarkable to think about. So, as I start, you know, contemplating, well, this is also hard, or this is this is improbable, this is impractical, I can't do this, or whatever. Although, interestingly enough, I don't know that I've ever experienced that in my own recovery. I actually relish the challenge. I really have. I, this has been, uh, I can think of countless times where I've come away saying, wow, I did, wow what, what, what just happened there? What's going on? And the more I struggle with it, the more I spend with it, answers come. Noodle um, it over, I think, is the word you used to use all the time. I'm sorry? I'm going to noodle, noodle that over. over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend some time with that. Yeah. And interestingly enough, answers have come my way. Yeah. And as a result of that, it's been a genuine path of, of, uh, of uh, understanding and, and you know, a step at a time, a piece at a time. It hasn't come all at once, thankfully, because um, I don't know that I'd be in a place to be able to absorb all of it. No. But, um, but it's been it's been, you know, timely and helpful and... And I love those moments of aha, right? I mean, I can remember even having a conversation with you, even as many years as Gary has, as mm-hmm. far as his unrecovery. I remember having a conversation with him where he said, I just found a significant peace today. Yeah. You know, so. and, and one of the reasons that I like to, that I go to 12-step and I continue to mentor is, is their recovery experience are every bit as valid as mine. And I learn things from That's people right. that have been in recovery you know, in their first month. Absolutely. So, mm. yeah. I love Do you know what? Daniel, Daniel keeps showing us this sign that says we're out of time. I wonder <laughs> how long it's going to take for him to realize that this is his episode. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It is. There's just some good points coming up. But, you know, uh, you know it, uh, that is the, the nice thing about the recovery, you know, I, I've learned is the longer I go, the more stuff that keeps showing up, you know, like mm-hmm. I started the episode off, just something I learned this last week. And I'm sure in a couple of weeks there'll be something new and something more. So, Um, and it's been great kind of reorganizing and restructuring my life. And it's, you know, there's a lot more happiness. Even the tough times don't seem as hard, Um, which is, which is great because, you know, there are many days and I know Gary can attest to that, that I just call him up and like, man, this, everything sucks. Life sucks. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And he's like, really? 
does it? Yeah. And now I don't even think that. It's just like, all right, cool. This was a challenge today, but that's just the moment. I don't yeah. care what situation you're in. You always have more to be grateful for than yeah. you have to feel sorry for yourself yeah. about. Yeah, so that's true. So, so if you're feeling true. sorry for yourself, you take a minute. And, nah. Yeah. How many times did I hear yeah. that early on? But yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't miss the side that I used to get from him all the time. Every time he'd call, it was like, oh. <laughs> Yep. There's no sign. Even the Shane, the gone away. Even yeah. Shane remarked today. The sign has like, gone away. Because it used to be like he'd always say, he'd say, hey, he'd, you know, hello, Daniel. And I just kind of go, oh. he's like, that kind of a day, you know? And now he's like, you know, you always have a smile coming in. Yeah, now. it's nice. So, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. So. Uh. All right. Well, I better wrap this up because it's that time and I. Should I show you long. the sign? Yes, there it is. Right there. He showed me the sign. So uh, with that said, this is Daniel. Uh, find the humility in your recovery. This is Gary saying, do the next right thing. <clears throat> and this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.